Welcome to the Capitol Beach. My name is Derek Brockbank. I'm really excited to be hosting a series of podcasts. This is the first in a series where we will be talking with uh, American Shore and Beach Preservation Association President Tony Pratt and the Federal Affairs Director for Coastal States Organization, Rachel Keelan. Um, we're going to be talking about the joint policy on beach and inlet management that the two organizations have put together and recently released. Uh, today we will be talking about the first segment, sediment management, and I'm really excited to be talking about this um, because these are my two organizations, past and present. I have been the uh, executive director of ASBPA for about six years, and I recently started at Coastal States Organization as their executive director. So this is a nice transition for me, a chance to talk about um, a policy that we worked on both with my past organization and, and current organization. So, uh, Rachel, Tony, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, look forward to having this multi-part conversation. Uh, first, before we dive in, let's get a quick word from our sponsors. The American Shoreline Podcast Network and CoastalNewsToday.com are brought to you by LJA Engineering. With 28 offices along the Gulf Coast, the folks at LJA Engineering are at the top of the craft in the areas of coastal restoration coastal infrastructure, rivers and channels, numerical modeling, disaster recovery, and design and construction oversight. Be sure to check out their brand new Coastal Resilience Department, headed up by ASPN's own Peter Ravella. Find them at lja.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Coastal News Today Daily Blast newsletter at coastalnewstoday.com for daily updates on the events and news that shape the coastal discussion. Want to support the discussion and promote your company? We have sponsorship packages available now. Email me to learn more at chloe at coastalnewstoday.com. That's C-H-L-O-E at coastalnewstoday.com. Hope to hear from you and enjoy the show. Great. Well, let's let's start talking about sediment management. So this is a, a, um, a beach and inlet management policy document that ASBPA and CSO put together. Again, it's five parts. The first section deals um, exclusively with sediment management, regional sediment management, uh, beneficial use of dredge material. And obviously the challenge that we are trying to address with this is there is a sediment crisis facing our nation, at least facing our coastlines. Um, we don't have enough sediment to keep up with sea level rise. Uh, we have mismanaged sediment over the past hundred years. We aren't, um, sediment is being removed from places where it's not needed, but it's not necessarily being put in places where it is needed. And while the Army Corps has done a lot of, uh, it's put a lot of thinking and a lot of effort into trying to make sure we are managing sediment better, it is still uh, still a challenge. So, um, Rachel, maybe I'll turn it to you uh, to kick off. If you want to give sort of a high-level overview of this section, and then we'll dive into some of the specific bullets and the specific policy recommendations. So, sort of what does this, what does this policy try to do at large? Great. Thanks, Derek. So, this section really centers around recognizing that sediment is an important resource rather than a waste material. The recommendation um, under this section will ensure that we understand the avail availability of this resource and provide a framework to promote the beneficial use of sediment from dredge projects for coastal protection and restoration. Thanks. It's, it is sort of one of the fundamental challenges of, of managing a coastline is that it, the coastline moves, sediment moves, right? These aren't, you know, maybe there's some rocky shorelines, but uh, a lot of us deal with uh, sand shorelines or, or wetland shorelines, and they are not stagnant. You know, you might go there and, and think there doesn't look like they're moving, but um, over multiple years and certainly over geologic time, they're always, they're always shifting. And so we need to figure out how we can maintain them in a way that both uh, supports multiple uses, um, but also is not, you know, counter to what nature is trying to do. Um, 
this section has a lot of, uh, of of all the policies that we put together. This one probably has the most um, items that we recommended, that the two organizations recommended. We have six different bullets, each of which have some sub-bullets. And so we're going to dive into a couple specific ones today. And if you're interested, if this piques your curiosity, uh, you can certainly go to ASBPA or CSO's website to find out more. Uh, and I think I'll turn the first one to Tony and have him sort of explain this. Tony Pratt is the president of ASBPA, but was for... Um, a long time, he was the administrator of, of waterways and shorelines for the state of Delaware. I might have that specifically, the, the technical title wrong, but uh, has a lot of experience in doing sediment management um, from a state perspective. So th this one is, the first one we're going to be talking about is to uh, implement a national policy on regional sediment management, which we sometimes call RSM and beneficial use of dredge material, sometimes used as an acronym BUDM. Um, and so the, the, the specific thing we want to talk about is uh, establishing ASPPA and CSO recommend establishing a new national understanding of the federal standard, where as part of the Army Corps' determination of the least cost alternative for the disposal of dredge material, the Army Corps looks at an economic valuation, including long-term costs and costs avoided, of coastal sediment for public benefits. So that's a little technical, um, but Tony, maybe you can jump in and sort of explain, maybe briefly explain the federal standard and why we feel like it's important that the core is valuing or, or determining the economic value of the full range of benefits for coastal sediment. Sure, Derek, thank you. And uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again this morning and, and with Rachel. Um, so the the issue, as Rachel has framed it, is, is, is exactly that, that sediments are dynamic. They're an important attribute for the coast. Uh, interestingly enough, within the service of sediment management, and that's what the Corps of Engineers and many state organizations do, there is this conundrum or this contradiction in that uh, we have two, two significant problems. One problem is sediment deprivation or sediment reduction, which is erosion by another term, and the other is sediment deposition or sediment surpluses. And interestingly enough, over the decades that have led up to, to current thinking, there has been a big disconnect between the management of the two. Dealing with sediment uh, deficiencies, erosion problems, has been in one house of the core, and usually uh, very much so in the states. Uh, dealing with the surpluses, which is clogging uh, channels which are built for navigation, uh, is, is another part of the house and another budgeting line. And I say all that because it really reads, leads into the regional approach that's being advocated now, looking at the holistic system of a coastal shed, watershed, or sediment shed, where sediments flow, where sediments are, are eventually going to reside. Uh, it makes a lot of sense where you have a sediment uh, surplus, a clogged channel, a channel that doesn't meet its navigational uh, design, and you need to remove that sediment, that you should put it somewhere close by where there's a sediment deficiency. Now that, that makes common sense, but it's been difficult to overcome that common sense in policy and in funding over the years. So the beneficial use of dredge material and regional sediment management are a relatively new and, and very popular among coastal managers, uh, coastal states organization, ASBPA members. It's very popular in the concept of we're finally marrying up these two issues that need to be managed and that we can possibly break through the barriers that have prohibited the use of sediment as a resource, as, as Rachel has, has 
so well uh, identified it, it is a resource and it, it helps guard against sea level rise and sediment movement over the long term. So uh, this is looking at a way to change what's called the federal standard, which is, again, based on the fact that most navigation works are underfunded. The navigation managers have tried to stretch their dollars as far as possible, and they found the most uh, cost, the lowest cost possible ways to get rid of the sediment that's dredged out. If you're benefiting another part of the sediment chain, uh, the, the sediment deficit side, you're actually gratifying and satisfying another budgeting unit altogether. So just getting away from the least cost option and looking at it in a valuation uh, mindset of what, what values you have gained by putting it in a better place at a little bit higher cost, it's marrying those two budget units very effectively and looks at, we have never looked very clearly at what the management costs and the environmental costs of disposal sites, especially underwater disposal sites. Delaware has main channel and its disposal site for the sandy material that comes out is on the bottom of Delaware Bay. And there's a cost related to that, which we've never ever put a, a monetary number onto. So there are costs that have not been discovered very well and uh, benefits that have not been discovered. So the benefit cost analysis needs to be broadened. And that's what we're advocating here. I think that's great. Great, Tony. Uh, you know, I think what you said is really important is the federal standard was created to support efficient projects, right? We want to make sure that the taxpayer dollar that's going towards dredging uh, ports for commerce purposes is being spent efficiently. We want to make sure that we're not wasting money. Um, but in the process of doing that, they've sort of divided up the where the sand comes from and where the sand goes. Uh, and so I think in some ways we're almost trying to think about rather than doing the least cost alternative, it's sort of the best cost alternative. But in order to determine best cost, you need to evaluate um, and and understand where the the benefits uh, the benefits are. So, um, and and that that that's within the strategic uh, uh, area that you're working in. I think we have to combine strategic areas a little bit better. Right, right. Um, inlets and beaches are very, very, very interrelated in a sort of a natural setting. You know, many beaches get their sand. You know, if humans weren't around, many beaches would get their sand from uh, from those inlets and channels and rivers. And so we want to try to mimic that as best as possible. Um, Rachel, I want to I get your take on this, but I actually think we can bring up the next point and, and you can sort of build into this. Um, one of the other bullets that we specifically call on government to do is uh, provide federal funding and technical assistance for state coastal management programs and local government partners to plan, prioritize, and implement beneficial use projects um, by identifying opportunities to leverage cross-agency funding sources and promote cost-saving benefits. So, um, Coastal states, obviously, organization represents the state coastal management programs. Uh, why is it important for uh, the federal feds to help fund and provide technical assistance to these state programs to prioritize beneficial use, and and how can we, um, and how can they leverage cross agency funding sources to promote cost savings? Yeah, so this section identifies that in. In advancing beneficial use of dredge material and regional sediment management, it's really critical to work with the state and territory coastal zone management programs. Um, and but also that in doing that, there is a need for investment of resources, specifically funding and technical assistance um, to make this work. So I'm um, going to kind of step back a little bit that under the Coastal Zone Management Act, coastal states and territories um, were 
uh, had established these coastal zone management programs, um, which have both responsibilities to preserve, protect, develop, and where possible, restore and enhance the resources of the nation's coastal zone. But they also have the regulatory authority to advance these goals. So for nearly 50 years, these programs have been managing our coasts through a state-federal partnership, using some federal funds, leveraging them with state funds um, to really advance coastal management issues. And they have a wealth of experience in coastal zone management and planning, coastal community and habitat protection, and coastal restoration. So CSO and ASBPA believe that tapping into this wealth of knowledge will really strengthen and leverage efforts by the Army Corps to implement regional sediment management planning and the, um, for the beneficial use of dredge material. Um, we, we do think that this is really a great resource to tap into to really extend the length of the knowledge and resources. However, we do recognize that the coastal zone management programs are operating within limited budgets. And generally, most states and territories don't really have the dedicated funding for beneficial use projects. So these recommended policies set forth here would make beneficial use projects more accessible by establishing mechanisms for providing funding and leveraging existing funds to plan, implement, maintain, and monitor these projects. That's great, Rachel. Thank you. Um, I, I think it is when you talk about the sort of the different uh, entities involved in, in coastal management, obviously you need to bring in the state coastal agencies and as we identify in this policy, local government partners too. You know, if it's a, if it's a beach community that's trying to maintain and, and fund, uh, either entirely fund or provide the local cost share for a federally funded project, they're going to need to weigh in on, um, on how that sediment gets managed too. But when you, you just look at the economies of scale, the, the federal government is going to have just more funding available, more technical assistance. Um, you know, Tony, maybe I'll turn this to you if you want to comment on this. I mean, you come from, you, you've worked for years in Delaware, but it's, you know, a fairly small state and, and you know, it's a, a pretty impressive coastline for the, the beaches that it has, but it's not on the scale of Florida or California. What kind of technical um, capacity do you have in the state? I mean, I, I imagine it's less than what the core has, but did you have an opportunity to sort of work with the Corps on, on technical assistance for planning coastal projects? Yeah, very much so. Well, I had the fortunate op opportunity to work on both Delaware Bay Coast communities and Ocean Coast communities. What's interesting in this is if you look at the nation as a whole, uh, the what was the original 13 colonies were pretty small states here on the East Coast. Um, the Delmarva Peninsula, in which Delaware lies, is comprised of three different states and three different management approaches. Uh, the coordination between the uh, coastal management programs is really quite good, um, particularly between Maryland and, and Delaware. Um, we, we have a disconnect, I think, sometimes with the beach management and the priorities and directions that are going with that. But, the, um, but, but Rachel hits the, the high note is that the regional approach and using the coastal management programs which integrate and, and support each other very effectively is a great tool to add to the core. The core it takes its assignments directly from Congress and very often and probably too often, I'll put the edge on it, uh, they, are, they are project by project and not necessarily directed to look at holistic regional approaches. That is changing, but uh, we have three projects on our ocean coast, 25 miles of Delaware coastline, three specific projects that are reasonably unrelated. And um, they, uh, it took 
us in the state level to probably integrate those and look at the entire 25 miles of ocean coastline and, and really manage effectively sand resources on those 25, but utilizing the three different projects and the bypass system at our inlet. Uh, but we put together that at the local level and came back to the core and said, although you don't get the benefits to be counted from tw all 25 miles, you're getting six miles of benefits. We see the 25 miles of benefits that come from the work that you do because of the natural distribution of sand you put on the beach. So broadening out that scope of valuation is incredibly important uh, overall. And I think that the coastal states organization working with their with their states is a great partner for ASBPA in moving this agenda forward. That's really interesting, Tony. The the idea that the core is, you know, by by statute, uh, responsible and funded by project, and so they, you know, we try to get them to look beyond just the project. But that's how Congress funds them. They are funded to do, you know, a specific beach or coastal project. But that beach or coastal project might have tangible benefits even outside the 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 range of where it's it's being it's being done. And so that that's where you need to start providing, uh, you know, support and and this. Um, collaboration with the state level. And actually, uh, what you were talking about in terms of uh, Delaware working with Maryland leads me into my uh, another point that we have in this in this policy, which is that uh, regional, what we call multi-state resilience studies that identify sediment needs and availability to enable optimal use of sediment resources. Um, and so this is, I think, we really are looking at this as, as, a, as the next steps to what the Corps has done with the North Atlantic Coast Comprehensive Study that it um, that it uh, was authorized and funded post Hurricane Sandy, and then the more recent South Atlantic Coast Study uh, that has was funded and authorized after um, Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria. I, I will mention specifically on the South Atlantic Coast Study, the Corps recently this this past fall uh, completed what they called the Sand Study, and Sand was some clever acronym. Um, but the idea was it was assessing where there is offshore sand source resources and where there will be needs uh, for placing sand over the next 50 years. So it's sort of looking at where you can get sand and where you need sand and trying to align them. And And the overall conclusion of that was that there is, there's plenty of sand out there, but it doesn't necessarily align to where it's going to be needed um, most efficiently. So that's, you know, it's it, when you're planning, particularly when you're planning long-term 50 years or more, uh, it's important to have those, those assessments. Um, Rachel, I did want to turn to you. I know there's uh, been an authorization and plenty of work on a Great Lakes coastal resilience study, although it is yet to be fully funded or, or even maybe I think it needs to be approved as a new start by the Corps. Did you want to talk about how the Great Lakes resilience study might be assessing sediment resources? Yeah, thank you. So the Great Lakes Coastal Resilience Study is a great example of a resilience study that would identify sediment needs and advance optimal use of sediment resources. This study would focus on assessing risks and vulnerabilities along the coasts in the Great Lakes, do inventories of existing coastal data, data and identify data gaps and identify measures, again, such as beneficial use, um, to address coastal vulnerabilities. So CSO has been working with the coastal state in the Great Lakes, the Army Corps of Engineers, um, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, um, and other partners to try to advance this study and kind of work it out. We um, the study was authorized in the Water Resources Development Act for 2018, but it hasn't been uh, designated as a new start yet. So we definitely are recommending that that get kicked off the ground as a new start, as something that could really do a good deal of work on beneficial use resources in uh, the Great Lakes. 
and uh, I'll, I'll add that while a number of the coastal states in the West Coast on the Pacific Coast have done some pretty extensive sediment management, California has a sediment management working group. Um, Hawaii is really starting to look at how they can properly manage sediment, although it's it's obviously a bit more challenging given the um, the dynamics of being a volcanic island or volcanic archipelago. Uh, but I think ASBPA would, would like to see a more comprehensive West Coast um resilient study or west coast uh, sediment study again they, they face different challenges than they do on the east coast or the gulf coast or even the great lakes which is a very shallow water uh in the near shore you know there's a pretty steep drop off out on the west coast um but you know it's perhaps all the more reason why they need to figure out where their sediment is where they're going to be needing it so um tony any anything else to sort of wrap up on sediment management before we we call this a wrap yeah, I, I just want to give some uh, shout out and kudos to, to CSO. I, again, I'm back history. I was an alternate delegate to CSO for a good part of my career in, in um, the state of Delaware, which spanned almost 30 years. Uh, the Coastal States Organization has been a, a leader for a number of years now on what's referred to as marine spatial planning. And uh, we have seen that, uh, in, particularly in the mid-Atlantic states I, that I have most knowledge with, and South Atlantic states, the, the extent of, of state control is limited. And then, of course, there are federal waters. But there are so many competing demands for nearshore uh, uses, fishery uses, navigation uses, uh, uh, technology uh, pipelines, uh, wind, wind energy uh, uh, transmission areas, any number of cabling. Uh, and on top of that, or mixed in with that, is also the, uh, the search that the uh, Department of Interior has been doing on uh, good sediment sources for supplying or resupplying the deficits that have occurred. And so looking at marine spatial planning and the, all the overlays uh, is very important and critical to, to sediment management overall. And it's becoming much more comprehensive and much more regional in its nature. Thanks, Tony. That's a good point. Uh, and certainly there's a, a number of agencies, uh, not least of which is BOEM, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, that is looking at how you can, where, where the sand is. Um, so I think we're about to wrap this section. Uh, I will do two quick plugs. If if you hadn't listened to the Capitol Beach podcast with Ryan Seeger, which was released um, in, in January, uh, we talk about the Water Resources Development Act that was passed in December 2020. And there's a big section on beneficial use of dredge material and regional sediment management. Uh, they implement a national policy for the first time ever. Um, so that's a good, uh, good podcast to hear a bit more about what's happened in the past couple of months. And then uh, please tune in to our uh, upcoming seg- segments on the joint beach and inlet management policy from ASBP and CSO. We'll be talking about permitting. We'll be talking about federal funding. We'll be talking about development, where we should build and where we perhaps shouldn't build, and then talking about science. So I uh, hope you'll tune in soon to hear those episodes. And again, thank you to Rachel and Tony for joining me today. 